When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. Look, if somebody was serious, I truly believe the Colts would have traded him. But nobody was serious. Everybody was trying to get him for 10 cents on a dollar. And now he misses four games, so his value shrinks lower to the next team that tries to get to him. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. The GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, we are seven days away. Count them, seven. John Elway days away from the start of the regular season in the National Football League. Lions, Chiefs, one week from right now. And also as a part of our celebration for seven days away, uh, this is also the kickoff of the DraftKings Hurry Up House Party, where we're celebrating the week up into the kickoff. It's over on the DraftKings Network. We encourage everybody to go ahead and check that out wherever you get the DK Network available on Samsung TV Plus and on DraftKingsNetwork.com. But how are we doing this morning here, Michael? Seven days away, man. Lots we're of good. Excited. Yeah, I mean, this is my last Thursday off of the Lombardi line for the year. So I got to make the most of it. And then uh, I'm excited for the season. I mean, there's it, it really is kind of fun that we have this buffer, right? You know, usually, typically, it, it's always been you go, you know, you cut on Sunday or Saturday, you clear the wire, you put your practice squad together you know, by Tuesday and then Wednesday, you got start getting game prep for the, for the Sunday, you know, it's just kind of bang, 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 and you're ready to go. But now it's kind of like, okay, chill a little bit, a little break in the action. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of teams, I know a lot of teams will give the weekend off to the players Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and bring them back in on Monday, give them Tuesday off and then start the game prep for the week. So, uh, you know, this is kind of a, a quiet before the storm, but there's so much going on around the league that it, it gives you a chance to take some time to step back and reflect. 
Yeah, I always called this NFL homecoming week because this was when when you watch those college football games on Saturday because the players had the time off. You'd see every single player at their alma mater watching their college football teams like how they do during the bye week. (laughs) This is that kind of weekend before everybody kind of gets ready to go for the start of the season. Because I think this Thursday was typically when we had that final preseason game when we had four preseason games. Now, of course, Mm -hmm. we're down to three. So we get a little bit more of a buffer time before the start of the regular season next week. So uh, a lot to be excited about, a lot to to look forward to here on the GM shuffle and for the NFL regular season as a whole. But speaking of opening night lions and the chiefs, mm. a big name player, Chris Jones, we've talked yeah. about this throughout this off season and we figured at least I figured, Hey, he's too good of a player. They'll get something done. It seems like both sides. It wasn't really hostile, but ever since uh, last week, when Chris Jones says that he's willing to hold out all the way until week eight, it feels like the momentum has slowed down and there's a real possibility the Kansas City Chiefs start the season without their best defensive player. Well, yeah, I think it's more than a possibility. I think it's going to happen. I mean, you know, it, you can understand this is one of those you understand both sides of the equation. You know, when you look at it from Brett Veach's standpoint, right, the general manager of the Chiefs, he's got two of the most selfless players on the team in Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And and I think Travis Kelsey should win man of the year in the league because by all intents and purposes, he should get paid like a wide receiver. He isn't. You know, he is a wide receiver. He's one of the best wide receivers in all of football. And he's taken a way below market deal. And the same with Mahomes. They've taken two well below market deals. So Brett Veach knows this. And he also knows that Chris Jones was the best defensive tackle in all of football last year. So how does he balance that? Does he pay Jones and basically say, yeah, I know you guys are being nice to me, but I had to pay this guy? I think that's a hard one, right? You can't ignore the production out of Jones. He's not willing to take a discount. So I, I think it's really one of those where it, whatever you do for him, it's really challenging, and I think it becomes a reflection. The Patriots never did anything to any player. Even when they signed Revis, it was always below Brady's salary. Like they never, even though Brady was taking a discount, nobody got more than Brady. And that's the problem Veach is in right now. He's got to maintain locker room decorum, even though this player deserves to get paid his fair market value. Well, the, the fair market value for Chris Jones, that would be below Mahomes, right? Like, I, I'm not sure what he's asking for. I don't think that's even been reported. But does he want to eclipse Aaron Donald? Do you think that's what he's looking for? I would assume so, since he had 15 yeah, and a half sacks he wants position. To- yeah, I think he probably does want to get over $30 million. It's going to be below Mahomes. We know that, but it's not going to be below Kelsey. But Mahomes, yeah. but my point of it, I think you're missing my point here, is, is he's below Mahomes, but Mahomes is taking a discount. So once you pay the top value to Jones, how do you not pay top value to Mahomes? How do you not pay top value to him? I mean, how do you let Mahomes be the ninth or tenth best highest paid quarterback in the league with guys making more than him? He has every right to come back in and say, wait a minute, Chris got rewarded. What about me? Now, that's not in Mahomes' character. I get that. But I think you have to be really careful of that. If you're not, you're going to mess up your team, your locker room. You're going to mess up your culture. And this is where Veach is in a tough spot because and I think Andy Reid, kind of the way he presented it, look, you know, he's not here. We're just going to keep going on. It's kind of the attitude you have to take. And let's be clear here now. They're not the same team defensively, you know, without him. I mean, the, the inside pressure, I mean, they traded for Neil Farrell from the Raiders. 
you know, and they're trying to improve the, the inside of their tackle. I mean, Wharton, the college free agent from 20, is going to start in there. I mean, they're not exactly this front seven is loaded, and, and he's, the, he's the glue to everything. Well, how does Chris or Brett Veach get out of this? You know, because Chris Jones clearly doesn't want to pivot from his standpoint, says week eight is what he saved his money up to to go ahead and miss the game checks. Is it a possible possible for him to kind of work his way out of this thing? Does he explain this to? I'm sure he's explained it to him, but like, like, like where's the resolution here? And if he doesn't come back, I mean, what does that do for this Kansas City Chiefs team as a whole? Because like you said, they're a much different defense without him. Well, I mean, they're going to try to manage their way through it. I mean, they're going to. There would be like if he got injured, right? If he got injured, how would they do it? They're going to manage their way through it. Now, most importantly. You know, they know he's coming back to get the accrued season so he can become a free agent. And then they can tag him as a free agent as the franchise player. They're not going to give up the player. They have mm-hmm. to find a solution within that. And whether it's extend him on a long-term deal now or wait and just wait for him to come back in after eight games and then franchise him and see what happens next offseason. But, you know, they paid they paid Jawan Taylor, right? I don't, you know, they paid Tooney. When he came in, right? So they've paid some guys to help their offensive line. Now, I think they got to pay him. Yeah. yeah I guess the, the culture that they've set there in Kansas City is that a lot of these guys taking less, which is the tip, the, the tricky part of this, like you mentioned with Veach. Because I think the line that you always say, and I agree with it 100%, is that you can't overpay great. Like Chris Jones is great. However, in the context of what the Kansas City Chiefs and other great players have done, you can't really go to the top of market value without those guys kind of looking at you a little sideways, you know, they'll be like, Hey, what the hell's going on here? Like like we took a little bit less. You got, you got to pay it. You you got to have respect for them. You just can't. And I think we've seen this all through free agency when, you know, teams would go out and sign guys from other locker rooms to huge deals. It messed up their locker room, you know? And so you got to kind of be aware of that. Look, the fans want the player on the field. They don't care about your salary cap. They don't care about your locker room, but as a general manager, you have to, You've got to make that, and you've got to make sure that your locker room is sturdy. Yeah, and this is not a saying that the Chiefs have any sort of friction in the locker room. They're just saying that there's the potential if this were to happen and Jones were to get rewarded for a top-of-market defensive line deal, then maybe that's where you can kind of some, somewhat get a little bit of uh, some issues in the locker room there. Uh, another player that people believe that there's questions of, some people believe, Michael, I don't know if you've been seeing this over on X, that there could be a potential trade that is imminent and this is for 49ers all-pro pass rusher Nick Bosa, the reigning oh, defensive on. player of the year. I, I'm just I'm just laying out the the, the 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 context of the situation. But right now, Kyle Shanahan said that he expects Bosa to be back and for something to get done. But uh, what's the latest here on Bosa, who's still uh, MIA in San Francisco? Well, I think what you see, you know, what you know, look, we there's a guy in San Francisco's reporting that they're working on getting it done. Right, I, I, Jason, somebody who reported on a bunch of 76ers stuff before that wasn't yeah. accurate. So I'm like, okay, he's I'm, not, I'm, I'm yeah. he's a, definitely a Philly guy. So look, I, I think you have to take the approach of that. They're, they're, there's no way they're trading this guy. Like, I don't know why anybody would fall for that. They're not trading him. They need him. He's part of their team. You know, and so they're not going to give him away. And I think sometimes we get caught up in this. We just think something on Twitter is true when 
you have to take a step back and say, there's no way they're doing that. That makes no sense at all. Yeah. And, and I guess the pushback from some folks would say, well, they also traded DeForest Buckner when they didn't want to pay him, but this is a little bit different than DeForest Buckner. Wouldn't they you traded say the like, Forrest Buck like, they traded DeForest Buckner because they wanted to pay Armstead and they got yeah. a first round pick and they replaced Buckner with, with Kinlaw. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they replaced Buckner with Kinlaw, and they did that because they wanted to, you know, they wanted to lower their costs. They only had so much money that they could spend, and they wanted to pay Armstead, and they made a decision to 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 use that pick that they got, which they knew would be a good pick, that they would end up using it for uh, for Arms for for Kinlaw. Now Kinlaw mm -hmm. hasn't been nearly as good as uh, he hasn't been nearly as good as uh, Buckner. Uh, Buckner, but you know, I mean, that was the plan, and that's truly how you have to manage your cap. Yeah, and this Nick Bosa situation. Do you think that we get a contract done between now and 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 next week, or we do you do. think he just think shows that up? Guys that reporting it. I think that guy's reporting it because he knows that he knows that it's it's going to happen. I mean, I know it's going to happen. Now I'm not reporting it. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. Uh, I don't have uh, intelligence that tells me this, but I also have the ability to to know that when stuff's going to get done, and I and I truly believe this will get done, and I think it'll get done before this weekend. So, like, I, I don't see, you know, I think he's jumping the gun with the report. Look, here's the conversation: it's really not a hard contract. Are they going to mm -hmm. pay him more than? Then Aaron Donald, that's the question. Is he getting 31, 32? Is he getting 29 or 30? Is he getting the same deal? How much guarantees he getting? It's not a hard contract to put together. They'll get it done. I mean, they have a, a rookie quarterback on a rookie contract, so they don't have to worry about it, you know? And you could just see what they're doing. They're not signing a veteran kicker. Okay, Moody's out. They're not signing a veteran kicker because they don't want to vest a kicker and carry him the whole year. So they're going to try to get by with a rookie kicker in week one until Moody's gets healthy. And all that is because they want to save as much money for Bosa. Is this just T.J. Watt with the Steelers all over again? Signs the week of the regular season we get out there and start playing? Yeah, no question. I, I have no all doubt. Right. All right. Well, we'll continue with some other NFL news and notes on the other side. This is the GM Show. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Well, in a surprise to no one, uh, Chris, <laughs> what's his name? Jonathan Taylor is uh, has not been traded from the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the, the team imposed deadline of Tuesday did not come up with a deal. Thus, the Colts having to put the former All-Pro running back on the physically unable to perform list. General Manager Chris Ballard was asked about this whole situation earlier this week at a press conference. Here's what he told the Indianapolis media. It sucks. It sucks for the Colts. It sucks for Jonathan Taylor, and it sucks for our fans. It, it just it does, and it's it's where we're at, and we've got to work through it, and we're going to do everything we can to work through it. Relationships are repairable; they're repairable. Mm. And that's pretty much how it is. Like it sucks. Like I was looking forward to seeing Taylor with Anthony Richardson. Michael, your thoughts here on this situation now with Taylor? out for the first four weeks, and then we'll kind of, I guess, pick this up a month into the season. I, th- I think the Colts are kind of shocked in the last probably, what, two months of the behavior. I mean, this kid went from being somebody who was part of their, really, the, the, the cultural fabric of their team to being a dissident, being unhappy. And the shift in the agent obviously changed the tender of that. But, you know, I mean, nothing says I'm sorry, as the great Arnold Rothstein said, more than money. You know, and money repairs relationships. I don't know how the money's going to repair this. I do know this. Ballard got calls, but Ballard was never getting any offers that were of substance. There was nothing out there. The agent was feeding certain people in the media. It was pretty clear he was doing that because one one guy had a lot of information. You know, mystery team, this team, six teams, two teams, four teams, how many teams, right? Look, if somebody was serious, I truly believe the Colts would have traded him. I truly believe that. But nobody was serious. Everybody was trying to get him for 10 cents on a dollar. And there was no understanding that he was going to play on his rookie contract. So it was going to be buyer beware. And now he misses four games, so his value shrinks lower to the next team that tries to get to him. And that's why I think Ballard put the deadline. The reason the Colts did this was really pretty clear. They wanted to prove to the agent and the young man that the market that they've talked about with him, that they want to pay him, is the market. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no other market out there. The, no one's paying for this. No one's trying to do this. Look, I, I think the Eagles have never drafted a running back in the first round. I mean, when you go through all the teams, how they dis- distribute their what their money, I think the Eagles, the pay, they, they never put money into this. Like, it, there's a formula, and you can argue with it, and you can create the media to have this sensation about, oh, he's our best player, we have to pay him. Great, you can do that. But if you're in a profession that is a billion-dollar industry, 
and you understand it, that's not a smart move. That's an emotional move. And when you make emotional decisions because, oh, we should pay him because he's such a great kid, you're going to make mistakes. And so you have to be clinical in this. You have to be. You want him on your team, sure. Do you want Josh Jacobs on your team? Absolutely. You also know that the risk of him playing out his second contract is not very good. 24, 20 out of 24 guys don't do it. What are we collecting data for if we're not going to use it? That's a fair question. And I think two things for me uh, in response to what you've just said. I think we're we're in lockstep with this, and I think the Colts are playing this smartly. Like They want to pay him, but they don't want to be irresponsible, which I think is like what every front office is saying about this running back market. Like, hey, we want you on the team. We just don't want to be irresponsible and be paying you all this money to where then in two years, it's like, well, what the hell? We're on the hook for all this money, and you're starting to decline and all that stuff, which I think is very fair. The next thing is a question to you, Michael. You said that they would have traded if they got a serious offer. What does a serious offer look like in this situation? Well, I think a serious offer looks like something that equates to the in a point system that's a value of a one. I think that's that would have been a fair offer. I don't think anybody really stepped up. In fact, I think I believe that the Colts even countered offers, but they could never get anybody to nibble. I mean, they have Green Bay as the second team. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense to me at all. Green Bay's nope. never – they just redid Aaron Jones's contract. Now, he's got one more year and then he voids. Would they have tried to trade Aaron Jones for Taylor? That would have surprised me if they did. They paid a half a million dollar roster bonus already on Aaron Jones. But it doesn't fit their profile. It doesn't fit Gutekist's profile of how he builds teams. We don't look enough at that. We just assume we're, we're all playing fantasy and everybody's doing that. So I think what would add it up to a one – but nobody wants to do that, Femi. Nobody wants to pay that when there's so many running backs out there. Is he a good yeah. player? Yeah. Did he have a good year? No. No. And I think when the second team was revealed, being the Green Bay Packers, and the other team that was revealed was the Miami Dolphins that was linked to the Dolphins have been linked to a number of running backs, none of which they've showed real interest in, by the way. We keep seeing them linked to these guys, and it's like, okay, well, they don't really want to do it at a number that those guys want. And when I saw those two teams, I was like, oh, they didn't get a good offer at all. Like, I, I don't know what Green Bay, if even Green Bay might not, might not have even offered. They might have just said, hey, uh, what's going on with Taylor? That might have been what, what the conversation was like. Um, and it, there was the no way they were going to get what the they agent, wanted. Yeah. The agent has to put stuff out there. I mean, that's part of what he's trying to do. He's tried to convince the kid that he's got this huge, that he's going to make a deal. This is what happens. It happens all the time. I mean, one of the reasons you see it is at some point, fear does the work of reason, right? So you're going to come into camp. You're going to have to get it. And yeah. I think ultimately, you know, Taylor has taken this, this hard line position. And that's why they let him look at the market. And they never got an offer back. I think at yeah. some point, the agent's got to sit there and say, wait a minute, I, I, there's nothing out there. He's he, but he's not going to do that. He's not going to admit to the kid that he can't. He's no. going to keep trying to manufacture. He's going to keep trying to use the media to create his story. Yeah, because if, if he tells Jonathan Taylor, "Hey, the market's cold," then Taylor says, "Well, what the hell were you saying uh, a few weeks ago?" <laughs> you know, and then that's then it's an uncomfortable conversation between agent and client at that point, which I don't think the agent wants to have right now. He's got to keep doing the the spin doctoring. We're always spinning. Uh, around the National Football League when it comes to these negotiations. Um, another interesting story, and this is something that you talked about last week on the podcast, 
was that I guess earlier this month, Monday, I'm losing track of days now, Monday on the podcast that Kyler Murray, you said that just look out for that situation that he's likely not going to play this 2023 regular season. Well, uh, ESPN's Josh Weinfuss, I believe is his name there. He covers the Cardinals for the worldwide leader. He said, quote, there's been a, a quite a bit of chatter about the possibility of Kyler Murray not playing at all this season. Quote, he's playing a source familiar with the situation told me. So <laughs> but quite a bit of chatter. Clearly, it's coming from uh, this podcast. <laughs> I found that line to be well, quite funny. But uh, what, what do you make of this where the, the sources are saying that Kyler is going to play? is just not a matter of if, just a matter of when. Well, by all their actions, they, they are definitely trying to change their culture and change their locker room. And what I reported is from my perspective, if they put him on the field and risk getting him injured and guaranteeing the team $56 million or $92 million, which is what he's owed, because what people don't understand about contracts is simply this. Every contract, with the exception of Deshaun Watson's contract, is guaranteed in the first year for skill and injury. It means you can't cut them. And salary cap, right? But as it goes on further, because of the archaic deferment rules in the National Football League that go back to a time when everybody was worried about the league paying their bills, the funding mechanism triggers in. And so what teams do to avoid that funding mechanism is they guarantee for injury only. Okay. And when you guarantee for injury only, and then in the fifth day of the league year, whatever that day is, it then becomes fully guaranteed for skill and injury. They don't have to fund it. Okay, that's how people get around the funding rules. And so this contract has injury only guaranteed in those two, two years that goes forward from here. And if they put him on the field and he gets hurt, they can't cut him for injury. They can't redo, his, they can't redo anything. He owns it. And they're not going to say they're not going to play him. Of course they're not going to say that. Because if they say that, then they're going to be liable for over salary cap evasion. You're just keeping them off the field because you don't want you, you want to avoid that. That creates a problem. I'm saying from the perspective of the of the Cardinals, if they put him on the field and they risk him to injury, they expose themselves to a ridiculous amount of money. A ridiculous amount of money that he's not worth. And they know, they know from talking to people that have been there before and in that building that they can't do that, that it's going to affect their culture. So, in all due respect to the ESPN reporter in, in Arizona, I'm sure that's true. But if you understand the business, if you understand the business and they put him on the field, that's really not going to be a smart thing to do. And that's the, the, the clarity that we want to have here. It's like, you're not saying that somebody in Arizona told you this. You're just looking at the financials and saying, this doesn't make sense for them to actually put him on the field. That's right. I, I'm not trying to be Adam Schefter and report something. That's I'm not. I'm trying to explain the league from a general manager's standpoint to the fans so they understand what could be going on. What would you do, Femi? Mm -hmm. what, I just explained the rules to you, and they just appointed you the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals. What would you do? Well, we had this conversation earlier this offseason, and I said that it's unlikely Kyler plays because of the injury taking place in December. I wouldn't play him in 2023. I would assess my options after the regular season, but I don't like based. I mean, their win totals at three and a half over at our show sponsor DraftKings. 
Like, what are we bringing him back for? To, 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 to try to get to, to 4 and 13? Like, like I, I don't see why you'd even put him out there. Right. And it gives you way more flexibility. Gives you way more flexibility. It gives you the chance to then make the decision. You could easily trade him. Now, you could, once it becomes skill and injury, if you think you could trade him after you played him, fine. But if he's hurt, nobody's going to trade for him. But do you think yeah. there's a robust market for him? Robust at that contract? So. No, no, not at that contract. I don't think so. Not he thinks contract. so, probably, but I don't. I mean, Monty Ossendorf will have a hard time moving that deal. So, well, I mean, people, to me, take bad you got to look at it from a GM's eyes. What? Uh, I said people take bad contracts, you know. Sometimes it happens. Not this level. This ain't the NBA. This ain't Al Horford going to Oklahoma City. <laughs> Their win total is the lowest we've seen since 1995. Put that into perspective. That was the expansion Jaguars and the expansion Carolina Panthers. We're back on the other side. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. All right, we're continuing our Blue Chips, Red Chips series here on the GM Shuffle. Quarterbacks coming on Monday. I know a lot of people have been anticipating that episode. Of course, quarterbacks always hotly debated throughout the NFL. But this one is the coaches and the coaching staffs. But the Blue Chip, Red Chip coaches. And uh, what was your kind of criteria, Michael? Because I think this one is really interesting and it's a little bit more subjective. So I'm curious to get your criteria on how you came about your list. I really wanted to, you know, obviously with my book coming out uh, on September 5th and yeah. talking about a lot of the coaches. Tuesday, baby. I, Tuesday, yeah, it comes out. You, and you can get it on any, anywhere you buy books. I, I felt like, you know, what what guys kind of are, we, we've lost the true head coach in the NFL. I mean, let's make no mistake about that. We've lost that. We don't, that, there's very few that still have that expertise that still do that. And I wanted to kind of highlight the ones that do, right? So I mm-hmm. felt like, okay, you know, these guys are truly head coaches, you know? I mean, we just saw Ron Rivera admit that he didn't even watch practice, right? That's I mean, wild. essentially he didn't, right? And, and, and it's kind of hard to believe, but it, it goes back to a Sherlock Holmes quote, you see, but you don't observe. Ron Rivera was out at practice. He was seeing, but he wasn't observing, because if he was observing, he would have seen Sam Howe working the scout team and really saying, okay, since I'm the general manager of this team and I control the movement of this team, this guy looks pretty good. Let me go talk to Scott Turner and see what he thinks of him in the meeting rooms. Let me go talk to him. Let me watch some more tape on him. Like this isn't something you wait to the end of the year to do. This is something you do all year. And so I think, to me, we've lost that, that ability. Every coach wants to have complete authority to run the organization, yet nobody behaves as the general manager in a purest form. 
And so I think mine was looking at this list was, okay, who kind of really runs the game? Like who runs the game from the sideline? And that's what I really was most interested in. I wanted to see that. I wanted to feel that. I wanted to have that because I think it's a lost art. I don't think we're training people to do it any longer. I think it's, it's really not the way the game is. It's kind of foreign. Everybody wants to subcontract it out. So what I try to do is highlight the guys that I think do a good job in that area. Well, let's get into the list here. We'll start with the red chips before we get to the blue chips. So the red chip head coaches, you have Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers. He's been in the news quite a bit. Sean McVay of the Los Angeles Rams. Pete Carroll of the Seattle Seahawks. John Harbaugh of the Baltimore Ravens. And Brian Dable, his second-year head coach, making the red chips list from the New York Giants. Well, I thought he did a really good job of exactly what I talked about. Managing yeah, his team. He was awesome. I thought he did a really good job of that. He he set up the game plan. Now, look, they can't play from behind, right? He tried to get the game into the fourth quarter. He did everything in his he did everything that he needed to do to help his team win. Now he's gonna have to take another step next year. And that's something that'll be more challenging as we enter into the twenty-three season, but because he's gonna have to keep playing. Like this notion that the Giants are gonna change the offense for Daniel Jones to me is is ridiculous because he's best running the six-back offense. He's not Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Harbaugh's the same way. Harbaugh understands how to manage the game. He's got the greatest field goal kicker, you know, and he doesn't pass up points. He understands how to do that. Pete Carroll, in my new book, I set a criteria for what it takes to get into the conversation, into the Hall of Fame as a coach. And Carroll meets the qualifications. I think Sean's going to have a hard time this year. I think Sean's going to have a hard time this year because he's got three good players and he's got a bunch of, of, of backups. And it's going to challenge him, and he's going to have to really challenge offensively and defensively. And he's got to hope Stafford stays healthy, who I hear he's throwing the ball really well, but can he stay healthy? And then Kyle, I don't think Kyle gets enough credit. A, Kyle's the main decision maker in San Francisco. So we know he's the, John Lynch has the title GM, Kyle is the GM. Right. Mm -hmm. Kyle also forced D'Amico Ryans to be more divergent in thought with the defense last year, two years, for the two years he's been there. And hiring Steve Willis expands that Seattle three even more. So I give Kyle a lot more credit of being a true head coach and just a play caller. Yeah, because I think when people talk about Kyle Shanahan, play calling is where they highlight him. They say, oh, my God, look at all these cool plays. And they do a lot of cool shit in that offense for the 49ers. But. I think like also taking up the CEO role as well, um, I think is what probably has him as one of the best coaches in the National Football League. So that is the red chips list. Once again, Shanahan for the Niners, McVay for the Rams, Pete Carroll for the Seahawks, John Harbaugh with the Ravens, and then Brian Dayball with the New York Giants, who did a terrific job last season with that big blue team. The blue chip head coaches. These are the best head coaches in the National Football League. And they'll start with Andy Reid with the Kansas City Chiefs. Mike Tomlin with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Bill Belichick with the New England Patriots, Mike Vrabel, a GM shuffle favorite here with the Tennessee Titans, and then Sean Payton now in in the Rocky Mountains with the Denver Broncos. Uh, these are your five blue chip head coaches, Mike. Well, yeah, and I, and I think Andy Reid, you know, because of what he's got built there, the culture, what he's doing, he's obviously the best of the best right now, mm. you know, uh, and he's been able to sustain the success that he's had from Philadelphia to Kansas City. And he's done the most important thing that you can do as a head coach. He's found his quarterback of present and he's found his quarterback of the future. So, you, you know, you give him props. I think Tomlin is really getting better at his game than he's ever been. 
Mm-hmm. I think the same thing with Belichick. I mean, I think, you know, when he won eight games with Cam Newton, a quarterback, I thought that was one of his best coaching jobs. <laughs> when he won rookie year with Mac Jones, when he won those games, I thought it was his best coaching job. Last year, maybe not so much. Rabel, I mean, Rabel, under, when you're betting against Rabel or you think you're playing Tennessee, it's not going to be an easy out. And I no. think Sean, Sean is different than a lot of the West Coast people because Sean had Parcells for a time. And, uh, and when you read my book, you'll understand the history and the origin of where you come from in the lineage. And the Walsh tree, which is very substantial, which essentially is the Peyton tree, that's where he comes from. It, you know, they get further away from the, the management of the game than they do understanding the three levels. And Peyton was able to spend time with Parcells to bring that back and understand that being a head coach is a three-pronged problem, and you've got to solve that and play the game accordingly. Find the gap in the game. Set your team up to win. How do we win this week? You know, so I think that, that, that he benefited from that. Whereas, like, John Gruden and Sean were both in Philly. Gruden never really learned that from anybody. Never really had respect for personnel. Thought it was too easy. Didn't understand the system. You know, could care less about it. Some of these West Coast guys, that's the way they act. They don't care. Just get me the ball back. I'll, we'll score. No, no, that, you're not a head coach. You're a play caller. Yeah, uh, Sean Payton for for Cowboys fans. Sean Payton's the one that got away because he was there with Bill Parcells in Dallas, and when they had Drew Bledsoe at quarterback, also helped uh, develop Tony Romo and all that. And then Jerry Jones, I think, still to this day, is probably regretting letting Sean Payton walk out of there. But they had Parcells there. It's like you weren't going to get rid of Bill Parcells at the time, and Payton took that job in New Orleans. Well, we and tried of course, to hire the Payton. History. They kept Payton from us hiring him at the Raiders. I mean, we had mm. Peyton hired at the Raiders, and I thought we had a deal done with Don Yee, and he went back, and Jerry stepped up and paid Sean a ton of money, and then the next year he went to New Orleans. You know, obviously yeah. working for Al, and he was friends with Gruden, you know, that kind of whole conversation became a problem, but he would have been a good coach to hire, you know, at that moment. He was young, he was exactly what Al wanted, and he would have been perfect for Al, and we just didn't get the deal done. It, it is interesting because um, your best of the best is Andy Reid right now. And and I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I, I still would go with Bill Belichick, me personally. Now, I, I know last year was an absolute disaster for the New England Patriots, but in a disaster season, they went eight and nine in a year where yeah. their quarterback got injured. And they were playing Bailey Zappi, who couldn't even nobody wanted to pick him up in waivers this year. He cleared waivers. Like, like that was a quarterback that yeah. you were starting in some games and all that stuff. Like I, I still would lean Belichick. Like I would need to see more eight and nine, seven and tens to then knock him off the pedestal because six Super Bowls. I mean, like what more can you say about that? Obviously, we've talked about him a lot on this podcast, but he'd still be my number one. I think for uh, best coaches in the NFL. Well, I mean, I think there's no. I don't disagree with you. I think last year at eight and nine, if you if they if they don't fumble going in against Cincinnati, I wrote about this for the guide. And we've updated our, our guide on VEASAN, the, the pro betting guide. We've updated that. You can mm-hmm. subscribe to it now. Uh, you know, they're going into score against Cincinnati and win the game. They fumble and they have the crazy, stupid play by uh, Jacoby Myers and they lose the Raider game. I mean, there's so many of those, but that's what you are, right? And look, I, I think he's at the top of his game. I think it's getting easier for him. I really do. I think the guys like Belichick, Tomlin, Vrabel, they understand the game. They're, they know who they're competing against because they're not competing against true head coaches. They're competing against play callers. And so yeah. how do you manage that? What do you do with that? 
How do you set the game plan up? You kind of know sometimes I think these guys are more than happy to gain yards and maybe not win the game. And so, or, or you know, do whatever it can to, to, to not help the other side of the ball. It's one of the reasons why Mike McCarthy, I know Kellen Moore's loved by the analytical community joystick, but one of the reasons why McCarthy wanted to call the plays is because he wanted to control three phases of the game. Yeah. yeah, he's taking ownership of his job right now in Dallas where a lot of people think that he's on the hot seat. Uh, we do have some breaking news that we could hit right now here, Michael, before we head to our final break here. Uh, it is now widely reported that the Vikings and tight end TJ Hawkinson have agreed to a, t- a contract extension that makes him one of the highest paid tight ends in the NFL. This NFL network has this ESPN has this. We don't have the terms of the contract just yet. I think that they just are uh, about to agree to the terms of the, of the deal here. But a uh, quick thoughts here on Hawkinson, who has been a hold in out there in Minnesota. Sounds like he's going to get paid pretty well. there out there uh, for the Vikings. I mean, he fits what they do really well. Had a great year for Minnesota. I mean, D- Detroit got rid of him and replaced him with with uh, Sam Lapresta, I think. How do you say that last name? Sam, Sam Laporta. The, uh, Laporta, right. Okay, so yep. they replaced him with Laporta. And, uh, you know, and I think Hawkinson's a really good – but, again, he's a receiving tight end. He's not blocking a nine technique, you know. And these guys – this is this is a new position in the NFL. There's no question. And it's something that, you know, he got paid as a tight end and hopefully it'll drive the number up because we're seeing more and more of these guys that are big Fs. that They can block support and they help you in an 11 run game, but they're not going to be the guys that help you, you know, knock somebody off the football. Yeah. Speaking of that, I mean, Jimmy Graham just made the New Orleans Saints roster. I mean, this is a flashback for well, all of us you, here. You know, you got to be the careful Angels here. And t- until you make the Saturday roster, you don't make the roster. That's true. Saturday That's true. at 4 o'clock Eastern time. If you're on that team, they guarantee your salary for the year. That's truly the day you're working with. Not this Saturday, next Saturday. Yeah. So, a lot of time, so a couple Spanish. more hurdles to clear. So a couple more yeah, hurdles to clear. a lot of time. Clear. A lot of time. <laughs> but the clock's ticking. We'll wrap up the show on the other side. This is the GM Shuffle presented by DraftKings and Visa. All right, we just did our blue chips, red chips coaches. Uh, Bill Belichick, of course, being one of the blue chip head coaches in the NFL. Well, the Patriots are an interesting quarterback situation. Mac Jones, of course, is QB number one. But who's QB two? Uh, we don't have a QB two as of right now on the 53-man roster because the New England Patriots waived both Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham. Both guys were able to clear waivers, and now they're on the practice squad. So what's behind this approach for New England as they try to fill out the rest of the roster, and what's the plan for the backup QB positions after Mac Jones? Did you watch Patriot preseason games? I watched the first one. I know you watched four at a time. Did you watch all four? Did you watch all three? (laughs) I watched their game against the Texans. And Uh, and that's it? You said you had enough, and then you went on to something else? I mean, you didn't watch all four, all three? Bailey was hor- Zappy was horrible. I mean, Zappy was horrible this summer. Like, I mean, you go back and watch him play against Cleveland. He was good last year. I mean, mm-hmm. but you watch him play this summer. Uh, and again, I know this is going to shock you. I'm going to tell you something that's going to probably drive you know. Um, um, but they film practice, and they watch practice. And I don't know if Zappy were good in practice, but the way he played in the game, 
it would lend me to believe he wasn't practicing very good either. So I think this was a reflection of, hey, then is then, now is now, right? Whatever you did last year, you better do it again this year. And he wasn't very good. I mean, his quarterback rating in the summer for a veteran guy, and they say, well, he didn't have a whole lot of time. You know, he was getting under a lot of pressure. I get that. that but when you watch the tape, there's sometimes he had time and he didn't even make a decision. The field looks small to me. Uh, I know Buffalo really had a strong interest in signing him. Uh, they signed uh, the Kansas City Saint Bouchelle to their practice squad. But Buffalo's, you know, Barkley they put on IR. Buffalo's trying to add, a, you know, they're trying to get a, a young quarterback in there. So, you know, would they claim Matt Corral today? Probably. I think Matt Corral's going to get claimed by a team. He's a third-round pick last year, you know, that had a chance. I don't know if he's going to be good enough. Patrick Stewart, the former uh, – assistant GM down in Carolina. He's now in New England, so maybe New England claims him. But I think that the, the mindset is, look, we got to find better than Zappi, and if we hold on to him, if we give up a roster spot for him, we lose a player we probably want to keep. So they took their chances, and they got both guys on practice squad. So what's the solution at QB2 if Zappi's not good enough and was not good enough throughout training camp in the preseason. Malik Cunningham is young. Maybe he could be a gadget guy, but what's the solution that backup quarterback after Mac Jones? I think it's ongoing. You know, do they claim Matt Corral today? I don't know. Maybe they will. If they do that, then he comes in, he's on the 53. You know, they looked over the landscape of quarterbacks all throughout. There's a bunch of guys that are on practice squads. Now, when you take a guy off of someone else's practice squad, you got to commit to him for three games. So I think you know it's a this is the benefit of having this much time before you go to the opening day game. You can really look over the landscape and say, okay, that guy I want the, you know the, here's the right guy. But if you know your guy hasn't played well and you have to shockingly improve, you look unlike what Rivera did, which is just not keep not look. Right? How do you get better, Femi? You get better, but you have to you have to make moves. You got to look around. You have to yeah. try to find a way to get better, and you do. And so I, I think I, that's what they're doing. They'll, 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 don't worry. They'll have a backup quarterback for Sunday right. against the, the the Eagles. It, it, it may not be on your timeline, and I know that's probably going to be upsetting to you, but they'll have one. Hey, I'm not a Patriots fan. It's not going to upset me. I'm just I know, I'm but you insist out. on I'm, I'm getting things done Patriots. in orderly fashion. You want them done in orderly fashion, hey. and, and he's going to do them when he wants to do them, not when the media wants him to do it. No, that, that, that's that's fair. Um, I was laughing because I still can't believe that Ron Rivera quote. I had to quadruple check to make sure it wasn't one of those made up Twitter accounts that made that one up here. But I digress. That's neither here nor there. Uh, Joe Burrow, he's back at practice, Michael. So yeah, Joe Burrow, after having the calf injury on July 27th, the calf strain is what it was called. Uh, he is now back in pads, practicing with the Cincinnati Bengals. The line has gone back up to two and a half. So optimism that Burrow should be a A-OK for week one here in about 10 days. Yeah, I mean, we all expected it, right? We all kind of expected it. So we'll see if he plays well. You know, last year he didn't play in the preseason at all. He had the appendectomy and he missed a lot of time and he didn't play well in the yeah. opener. But we fully yeah. expect them to come back. Look, I think the East, the North, you got to get off to you got to get off to a quick start. I don't think you can you can take you can take much time. You can't you can't fall short, right? You can't be 5 and 4 and think you're going to catch up. There's too many good teams in that North. I I think you got to start fast. Yeah. 
No, they definitely need to start fast. But and, and just because he's playing, I don't know if – is he going to be 100%? Like, I'm still a little bit skeptical on that, especially going up against that pass rush from the, the Cleveland Browns, Miles Garrett, Zedaria Smith. Um, I wouldn't be running to the window to go ahead and bet Cincinnati. That's for sure. Uh, are you surprised that we haven't seen an extension, though, for Burrow? Uh, another thing that we, I'm not saying that we got to rush this right now, but I mean, we saw Herbert sign. And <laughs> well, Burrow, I mean, we all thought was the I'm next not, guy. I'm not surprised. I think it could happen before the season. You know, I think this I think yeah. the one thing this break allows us is time for the players to get ready for the season and for some of these contracts to get done. Hawkinson got done today. Bosa's going to get done at some point. You know, I mean, they're not hard to do. I think Burrow will get done. It would shock me if it didn't. Now, the Dolphins have made it clear. Wilkins and Tua are tabled until the offseason. Tua, they tabled it because why would they do a deal now? They don't know where this is going to go. Yeah, yeah, you can't do a deal. Yeah, that's you gotta you gotta make sure that he can get through the season healthy there on the two up front um before we get out of here though uh obviously sad news in the nfl the uh hall of fame personnel man gil brandt passed away at the age of 91 yeah. uh he was obviously very instrumental with the dallas cowboys as being a cowboys fan uh, like just learning the history of the team like gil brandt's one of the first names that you hear about when uh you talk about the the improvements of the dallas cowboys have made over decades upon decades and not just the Cowboys, but the entire NFL. Jerry Jones, he put out mm-hmm. a statement here. I'll read the first part of the statement, Michael. And I know you want uh, to share a couple Gilbrand stories as well. But this is from Jerry Jones. He said, quote, we are so deeply saddened by the passing of Gilbrand, a true icon and pioneer of our sport. Gil was at the very core of the early success of the Dallas Cowboys and continued to serve as a great ambassador for the organization for decades beyond that. His contribution cemented his spot in the ring of honor. He was my friend and a mentor, not only to me, but to countless executives, coaches, players, and broadcasters across the National Football League, which rightfully earned him a spot in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, where his legacy will be celebrated forever. Um, obviously, Michael, I'm sure you've had many moments with Gil Brand. Yeah. You can say that you spoke with him just last week here. Uh, obviously, it's yeah. a sad day, I talked to him uh, a life about, well lived. About 10 days ago, he was sharp. He was talking to me about players, asking me questions about players. I mean, the guy was had an incredible memory. Uh, incredible memory. He was dedicated to his craft beyond. He trained so many of us, right? He was truly a scout factory house, and he understood it, how to train scouts. He taught you how to write reports. He taught you the grading system, which is still used. We brought him into Cleveland in 91 to teach us the system. Uh, Bill had the system in New York with him a little bit, and I had it with me. And so we kind of meshed it all together and, and with Gil's help. Uh, and so, you know, he just had this unique ability to develop scouts. He worked constantly. He kept meticulous notes. He could recall things. I tell a lot of stories about him in, in the book uh, because of the grading system, because of his ability to really help a lot of people. One of the stories I tell is he was at the Ice Bowl, and uh he wakes up at the Holiday Inn there in Green Bay or Appleton, and his phone rings, and he says, Good morning, Mr. Brandt. The high today will be 13 degrees. And he's in a, oh, no. Now, remember, this is 67, and there's no gear on the sidelines. There's no, you know, nobody has anything, right? And so there's no under under armor. There's no cold weather gear. So he thinks to himself, well, I better get going here. I, I Let me see if I can get to an Army-Navy store. And this is how old the story is, right? Army-Navy stores were big. They were like the they were like the uh, best pro shops. They had everything there, right? You could buy bathing mm-hmm. You could buy everything. Yeah. 
So he goes down and sees the bus driver, and he can't. And, the, and he says to the bus driver, "Can you take me to the nearest, uh, uh, nearest uh, Army Navy store?" And the guy says, "No, no, I'm, they're all closed. They're closed. Green Bay. It's the New Year's Eve. It's the you know Green Bay shuts down on game day." So he says yeah. to the bus driver, "What size shoes you wear?" And he says, "I wear a ten and a half. He said, "I'll buy those boots off you." And the guy said, well, I don't want to sell them. He said, well, I'll, I'll give you 20 bucks for the boots. So he gave him 20 bucks, and those are the boots he wore on the sideline. You'll see him on the sideline in some of those clips. So, you know, he bought the boots off the guy. And <laughs> it, it's just, I mean, he was truly a treasure. And I valued what he said. I listened to him. He always gave me great advice. He was always teaching me the methodology of scouting. He was always constantly studying the height, weight, and speeds of the players. You in at instant recall on every player. Instant mm-hmm. recall. And if you read my book, uh, Football Done Right, there's a lot in there about his influence on the selection of Roger Stahlback and understanding what they did, how they developed uh, the players within their system and, and what they did to work in unison with Landry, Texram, and Gil Brandt. And, you know, it certainly it's a, it was a life well lived. I mean, it really was. It was a football life well lived. Yeah. And uh, it's just somewhat remarkable. Yeah, no, I, and I'm glad that he was able to uh, get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame while he was living, because I've, sometimes we see those posthumously and it's like, it's like it's kind of a bummer. It's like, well, this person should have been in to be able to actually uh, receive the flowers that they so well deserved. And Gilbrand was able to do that. And you mentioned the grading systems and all that stuff like the Cowboys are one of those teams that were on the cutting edge of that way back yeah. in their early inception. And a lot of teams adopted the rule. Yeah, I mean, he used he utilized computers. He did all that stuff. So he was he was ahead of his time, and he was always yeah. curious, and he had great rapport. There was a time where, where Gill would get head coaching jobs for college. I mean, college presidents knew Gill. They would call him up. This is before search firms. They'd call up Gill and ask him to for a recommendation for a coach. Wow. No. Well, Gil Brandt, obviously a life well lived. Rest in peace. 91 years old. Our thoughts go out to the Brandt family, uh, his wife, and of course, and his, his kids and everybody else in the family. Uh, that does it for us here on this edition of the GM Shuffle podcast. Monday, blue chips, red chips, quarterbacks as we get to game week. It'll be Labor Day, but there's no stoppage of the laboring here on the GM Shuffle podcast. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Beeson. Thank you to you, Michael. I hope you enjoy the rest of your final day offs on, on Thursdays. Hope you got something fun planned. I'll talk to you on Monday, man. Thanks, Femi. Cheapo Air. For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.